everyone. Episode 15 of Beers, Business, and Balls brought to you by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app for free to get started on the App Store or go to anchor.fm to create your podcast today. It is Monday, July 27th, 2020, and sports are back, which is very good. Jake Zimmer, happy to be with you folks. Will Tondo, Loyal co-host here with me as always. Um, it's just us today. We are flying solo again. We've got a couple of guests in the pipeline coming up this week. A really, really awesome guest next week that we're in the process of scheduling, which is great. Um, let's go over to Will Tondo checking in from Southhold. Will, you're just fresh off a trip to grab some ice cold beer from Vermont. Tell us about Long Trail. Yes, I mean... It was a great weekend in Ludlow, Vermont. Uh, wish I could have actually stayed and enjoyed the brewery. It's all to go and pick up there, which is fine. Um, grab some teriyaki wings, which hands down are the best wings I've ever had. Um, mark that in the books. At Long Trail? At did, Long did, like, Trail. Did they make them or did they have like a food truck or something? No, they make them. They have their own kitchen. And okay. yeah, best, best, uh, best wings in town, I would say, that I've ever had. That's um, but I picked up some great beer, and then I also stopped at the Vermont Country Deli in Ooh. Brattleboro, and they have all craft beer from anywhere in Vermont. So I picked Holy up, shit. I think I picked up like 12 or 13 beers. And this is at a deli? And this is at a deli. Well, it's like a country store in a deli. Okay, fair enough. And then I also picked up a lot of Alchemist. Oh, yeah. So had a lot of great beer. Did they did they go direct with Hetty Topper or no? They, like, can you pick up Hetty Topper in a store? Yeah, yeah, you can oh. pick up um, you can pick up Hetty Topper and Focal Banger, um, both at certain stores. Not like all stores, but I picked up both there. Nice. All right. I still that is a, that is a brewery that's on my list, on our list, really, to like oh. go there. Um, but yeah, though I mean, those two are like the Alchemist in general are great beer. Respect. I I need to get up there. I think we, what should be on our list eventually is to go do some live beer reviews up there. That would be dope. And like Vermont, New Hampshire, Portland, whatever. Yeah. Because all the craft beer scenes, like, I mean, my God, unbeatable. Even Massachusetts. Yeah. Massachusetts, especially like backwoods, Massachusetts. And we were talking with Ryan Denson, the Boston beer guy about that a couple weeks ago was, you know, everywhere, west of boston which is the entire state has phenomenal breweries that are in the middle of nowhere really so yeah i mean you we talk about the boston ones and then there's a lot on that rhode island massachusetts border that i've been to but like you said once you get north and and west of boston there's a lot of untouched gems um, for sure that i really do want to try but you you had some good massachusetts beer this weekend in the cape so i did i might as well lead the cheers i'm gonna step my place step my place because this is i think the first out of the 15 episodes that i am not leading the cheer or that i am leading the cheers all you wow this is a big honor um i was out in the cape this weekend or on the cape i should say i really struggle with the geographic term to use because i get a lot of shit for saying in long island and it's not in long island it's on long island it's a big debate big big debate with a lot of people these past months because the hell else was there to do um on the cape 
went to, uh, I had a great weekend in East Falmouth and I didn't realize how big of a town Falmouth was. I mean, my God, you could go like 30 minutes from one side of it to the other. And of course it's, you know, West Falmouth and South Falmouth and Woods Hole and all that stuff. But I went today to Bad Martha and nice little place. It's kind of like a, an outdoor restaurant. It's very capey. And Normally, it would have been really cool to see inside. Um, looked like a bar vibe with outdoor seating, yada, yada. But no indoor seating this time, obviously. Everyone out, uh, they tried to seat us on these Adirondack chairs in the middle of the beating sun. And we were like, fuck no, we're not doing that. And we sat in the shade. They had really interesting selections. So I went with a beer called Shark's Bite. You can see the review on our Instagram um, it was a minute long of good video content with some help from our friends behind the lens, uh, Zach Mastriani. Thanks, Zach. <laughs> um, it was an American lager with jalapeno. Now, I usually do not like jalapeno beers. I'll start it with that. I remember we had one a couple of, you know, maybe even a year ago. Not good. I forgot yeah. what it was called, and we're not going to plug it because it doesn't deserve it. That was when my mom tasted it at like a liquor store. She goes, yeah, I'll buy seven packs of it. Sure. Yeah. So we ended up with 30 of those jalapeno beers. My dad and I were like, ah, not, I don't really like this. So skeptical going in, this was a lot better than the one that we had. Still not really my scene, but it was just enough of a subtle bite where I thought it was pretty decent. It was a drinkable beer. It was ice cold. And you tasted the jalapeno more as you kept drinking it. And I, I didn't really mind it because it, you, your mouth wasn't on fire after. I feel like a lot of people fuck that up and your mouth's really on fire. So give me a 375 on it. I would drink it again. I would probably start with something else though. Um, I, I, it's not, I, I wouldn't rush back to it. If it was presented to me, yeah, I'm going to drink it. But that's fair. Knows. That's fair. It, it, yeah. It, it's a decent enough beer that I would drink it again. And cool. with that, You've got an interesting selection too. Yes. Yeah, so drank a lot of beer this weekend. Another one from Long Trail. It's new to their line of collection and it's called Little Anomaly. And it is a light IPA. It's a very, I mean, it's, it's hard to call it an IPA because it's 3.8% um, and 110 calories, but it's got that hoppy, juicy flavor um it comes out in that like what you would see in like a hazy beer like that color that bright yellow color right um it's a very light refreshing beer they just brought it out this summer um i actually ordered a six pack to go they gave me a 12 so that was that was cool that's, but that's, yeah i mean i i there. yeah i enjoyed it i give i give it a 375 it's definitely a beer that i wouldn't run out to get again but i'd definitely drink again and we have a few in the fridge now but yeah, I mean, it, it kind of goes to the saying of just like a refreshing beer. You're out of the water, you're out of the sun all day. You know, the double IPAs are nice and those heavier beers with higher alcohol percentage. But if you're just, you know, chilling outside in the summer, getting getting the shit kicked out of you with like the heat and the sun, you don't want to be drinking those all the time. So no. it, it, it's a good selection. I think the, the double IPA, like the heavier shit, like the, when you get into the Imperial area, that's like for when you're on the deck, the day's over, yeah. the sun's coming down a little you bit. Close, you close the day. Right. Or, you know, if you're not playing like drinking games after or anything like that, then, and you're going to have maybe one or two more beers, you take the Imperial. Right. Yeah. And you can't be drinking that shit on the boat. 
at 1 no. p.m. <laughs> no. Or the beach or whatever. It, it, it's the light, yeah, lighter stuff during the day, darker stuff at night. That's, that's the way the summer works. Mm-hmm. And if you're not drinking seltzer, of course. <laughs> but um, cool guest next week. Uh, we're going to talk about something in the alcohol industry, but that's, that's what we'll leave it at. We're working out the kinks right now. The Bryant people that went to school there in 2016, you people are going to love this. That's all I'm going to say. You people are going to love this. Um, that's pretty much it for beers. As always, if you would like to send us some beer, DM us. Please and thank you. We'll return the favor. Is that legal? Can we do that? You know, can we solicit people sending us beer on Spotify? I don't see a problem. Cool. All right. <laughs> Done. Spotify will let us know. They'll probably take this down if, if, uh, if it is illegal. Uh, let's hop right into business here. Weird week. Again, I feel like, you know, for 15 episodes that we've done, I've probably said weird week, 10 of them because the market is literally (laughs) weird year markets. Absolutely out of whack. Um, a couple of things contributed to it this week. This, um, so, so this past week, meaning the week of the 20th, Stocks had, you know, generally speaking, a down week. Uh, geopolitical tensions with the U.S. and China are obviously only getting worse at this point. Um, the U.S. shut down one of the Chinese consulates. There will be more of these to come, I think. But the one in Houston was the first one to go. Then Beijing says, all right, screw it. We're going to close the U.S. Uh, consulate in one of their bigger areas. I think Chengdu was one of them. That's where one of like the bigger, that, yeah. yeah, one of the bigger U.S. consulates is there. Um, you and I were just talking about this. What the fuck is the American passport even worth anymore at this point? Um, it, it was the strongest passport in the entire world forever, really since the U.S. became a thing. You could go anywhere if you had an American passport. You could go into places that, most other countries that like the citizens of other countries, they couldn't even think about going. You could go to the Middle East. You could go to the UK, who's cracked down a ton on immigration. A lot of other countries like India and China, you would need a visa to even go in there. So mm-hmm. are, are we going to get to a point in America is what I'm worried about where between coronavirus, between all the, the political tension now, is that going to be a problem? And I think that we're going to see some bad effects if we keep going down this path is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I read the stat and I'm trying to find the actual numbers. But like you said, we were one of the most powerful passports. And now we are tearing towards the bottom. I mean, I don't know how many countries we're actually allowed into right now. Probably zero. <laughs> I think it's like some Middle East countries and like maybe a couple in Africa, but like that's it. That's I will it. put a qualifier on what I just said because obviously at the end of the day, if there was no pandemic, it, all that stuff, we, we would be able to travel freely as Americans. But right now, if you look at it at face value, we're, you're exactly right. We're probably allowed in the less than 10 countries. Is that nuts? Who would have thought we'd be here? We're, it says the real time rank, we're 84. Jesus Christ. 300, something like that? Yeah. And like that, 
I remember it even fell even even more. And there's let me tell you the, the gap between those countries gets not a whole lot bigger or smaller after that. Like probably well, after fifty. Our twenty nineteen rank was three. Yeah. Besides maybe Switzerland, uh <laughs> Monaco. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Isn't United, that crazy? United um UAE was Yeah, the, the UAE. Oh, that makes sense for yeah. sure. That sucks. And then I read another <laughs> stat today that um, the New York Post posted that the New York Post posted. <laughs> um, <laughs> they published an article saying that America was ranked the worst country to raise a family. Okay. All right. Let's, let's back up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, yeah, that, that's, that's a no for me. I, I disagree. But <laughs> the so worst much place to raise a family. Shit. I mean... I will say that it has gotten significantly more. Uh, there have been more hardships for sure. I, I yeah. will absolutely not argue that. But the worst place to raise a family? I, I don't know. I'll have to see who wrote that. Exactly. Probably an American that could say that without getting shot. Just a just some food for thought. Yeah. Um, between this and, like I just mentioned, Trump is blaming the coronavirus on them now. The the Chinese. So going back to the. Um, you know, the, the market difficulties and whatnot. Um, Trump, you know, he, he's always suggested that they brought it to the U.S. purposefully, blah, blah, blah. Could we be going down a path where we're now entering Cold War II with China? If it didn't already exist, to be honest. I mean, it's tough to say because, you know, again, we don't want to get into, poli- like, t- into politics yeah. that much. Just from an, an international um, relations and But just stock. from an international, yeah, right. from stock market side, like, obviously things were getting worse and worse and obviously not only America, but a lot of different countries were trying to pull out of stuff from China in general. Uh, I know Japan, Japan was a big name as well. That was starting to remove a lot of their, you know, factories and production out of China to remove that dependency. <clears throat> a cold war. I don't know. It's cold really, war can mean, I guess in this context, not more of the military action No, 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 stuff, cold war I mean, is... We've been in yeah, a trading... No. no, I know what you meant by cold war. That's like yeah. not, I'm not saying military, but... I mean, it's really more... It's not even... I don't think even government at this point is going to be up to businesses, which, again, will be related to you know government tariffs and taxes and restrictions and stuff, but businesses are the ones that are going to need to pull out of there to actually cause the damage, you know? I mean, no matter how, whatever takes place, whether it's taxes, tariffs, or different restrictions and laws, there's still a lot of American business that's going on in China. You know, nothing's changed Amazon. Well, I mean, between this and, you know, the Hong Kong fiasco too, um, I I mean- It's not a pretty sight. It's not a pretty sight. And I've, I I would argue that we were already in kind of like a trade war with China. A a lot of people were, were arguing because, you know, Trump was very clear about the entire thing. You know, he wanted to, he wanted to, what he calls keep China accountable, right? Whether that actually is what it is is a way different story, but- um, between all the tariffs and you know the, the restrictions he's imposed uh, as, under the guise of uh, retaining capitalism and all that good stuff, um, we're going to have to watch out pretty much because if this gets any worse, the market is really going to suffer and that could end up being what puts it over the edge. I don't think if you had a gun to my head right now that that would be the event or series of events that does dip the market in, but it can certainly contribute to it crashing. I mean, I can 
in my assumption, again, take everything in business with a grain of salt. You know, we're not experts in any whatso means. The three things that I feel will tank the market again, the election, a serious increase in this second wave of COVID in the fall. Yeah. And then whatever's going on in China. Because, I mean, the market is now kind of coming back to that point of where it was pre-COVID in a lot of different facets and a lot of different industries, but it could just easily fall a lot very soon. It can. And perfect segue into what Anthony Fauci just said this week. Anthony Fauci fresh off a horrid first pitch at the Nationals game the other day. That was embarrassing. And I say that in the most sincere way because, you know what, I'm a, I'm a fan of Fauci. I do like him. I like his demeanor. I, I like, you know, how he leads with facts. But I <laughs> – That was a 50-cent throw. That's a bad look. I, it it might have been worse. Actually, no, it wasn't worse. But it was pretty damn close. It's in the same conversation. He had a bad, bad first pitch. For those that don't know what we're talking about, he threw up the first pitch in the MLB opening day Nationals against Yankees in D.C. Horrible. It didn't even reach the plate. It was way left. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Diehard Nats fan. He's, he knew about this for weeks. He had that been warming the gun up, man. And you, you too. I mean, he's, he's a little busy right now. He's busy for sure. Can't go outside and for a break and throw a couple of pitches. That just shows how committed he is to stop this virus. <laughs> well, Fauci says the coronavirus vaccine probably will not be mass deployed until 2021 sometime mid-year. Realistic, yes. Um, probably the thing that's going to happen, yes. News, no. I really don't no, think that's no, news. Mean, I think that's what everyone had thought. When they um, said that they wanted to make this like – you know, after they were saying, oh, we need to stay in to flatten the curve, and then it all of a sudden became, we need a vaccine. There has been no, and again, technology and our health medicine and everything is at an all-time high. Like, what we can do and what the knowledge we have is at an all-time high, but there's just no possible way that they could have produced this vaccine, one, successfully, and something that wasn't going to be unhealthy for citizens to take let alone mass produce it. I mean, we can barely produce testing at a high volume. Um, so I, there was no surprise with this. Um, Moderna's stock definitely took a, a big tumble. Um, it's still obviously tra trading at, I believe, like $74, $75, but at one point it was teetering $100. Um, so that's a little disheartening, but they're going to, you know, make this vaccine. Again, obviously the answer is supposedly this answer to the virus is that we need the vaccine in order to live with it. You can't really rush something that's going to be into inside people's bodies. Right. You know, I mean, this isn't even about like the whole debate of vaxxing or anti-vaxxers because, you know, this is, I guess you can kind of put it into that, that subcategory, but there's just a lot of people that aren't going to put, you know, if they are for uh, vaccinations or they're not, they're not going to put this very new. Um, no, this yeah, new, even pro new virus, let alone a new yeah new virus and new vaccine into their bodies yeah. and be like, okay, I'm ready to yeah, go back to right. work. 
Yeah. So they can't rush it. Bottom line. And we talked about Moderna last week. We're like, yeah, big player in this whole scheme. And they, they fall a few points. And I think it's probably just based on this conversations. It's like, you know, Fauci coming out and reiterating uh, along with many of the other health experts saying, yeah, we're probably not going to have this in 2020 for sure, but maybe not even into mid 2021. So we're, we're also going to see, have to see how the coronavirus uh, med tech companies, I guess, if you will, I'm putting out like a label on them, but how those companies and stocks will suffer like Moderna, uh, like Express Spa, stuff like that. Um, and like you said, you know, do people feel comfortable resuming to normal until then? You know, like, is, is this going to be, we have to, <laughs> well, the debate starts with schools again, that's getting very political now too. Uh, and even across party lines, they're not really sticking, you know, the Republicans are not necessarily all agreeing. Democrats aren't necessarily all agreeing. Um, uh, on what to do with schools. You know, do you have to send the kids in full force with their masks on or do they go a couple of days a week? That's another conversation, you know, where we could debate this for an hour, but there's conversations that are going to need to get worked out very soon is the bottom line because kids are going back to school. They were supposed to go back um, pretty soon in places like Texas and Alabama and things like that. They go back August first week of around August. The corner, yeah. It's next week, literally next week. So They've got to have a plan. Uh, the Northeast schools generally have their shit together, but the rest of the country is, this is rapidly approaching. So they need to figure it out. Yeah. But we digress. No more COVID yeah. talk for now. No, exactly. Uh, stock of the week time. Yeah, right? stock of the week. We have Boston Beer Company. Uh, ticker is SAM. SAM. Uh, they reported their second quarter results on Friday and they blew them out of the water than their estimates and their stock went soaring. So they originally had an expectation of uh, earning $2.42 per share with a $429 million revenue. Well, after their quarter two earnings, the revenue was $452 million and their uh earnings per share were $4.88. So this made a huge number on their stock. And we were just talking about it, like deciding what we're going to have as our stock of the week. And then I was going through, you know, my list. And then I see Boston Beer Company. I'm like, when did they start getting traded at $828 a share? <laughs> well, on July, let me get my exact numbers, July 23rd. So right before the weekend, they were trading at six hundred and fifty-five dollars, and now they're almost at eight thirty. Yeah, that was a direct result of Q two earnings, which is wild. Like that's a huge jump. And what I found really interesting about Boston Beer, which obviously they own the rights to Sam Adams, they own the rights to a few other brands, but Truly is the main one. Twisted, Twisted Tea, Tea is the other, um, and they own you know a bunch of smaller like. Um, I, it's escaping me, but the CEO comes out the other day when um, Q2 earnings come back. And he says flat out that hard seltzer is the biggest shift in the industry since light beer. And then his earnings come out and they're like, yeah, we fucking murdered it in the truly end. That's gotta be why this is rising. And another key factor to consider is the kegs which apparently are at an all-time high in sales, which people are having more house parties. They're 
getting more traffic in restaurants. So restaurants probably are bulking up. I know that that was a theory that I had. I don't know if it's true or holds any merit, but it's pretty much all the, the hard seltzer, which is nuts because you just saw that take off in the past year or so. And now it's being compared biggest shift in the industry since light beer. That's no slouch from a beer executive to say that that carries a lot of weight. Well, yeah, I'm just reading now that Boston Beer Company obviously owns Truly, as we mentioned, but White Claw is owned by Mark Anthony Brands, right. and they're the owner of Mike's Hard Seltzer. Mm-hmm. Um, the combined two of them own 85% of the total uh, market sales for hard seltzers. Yep. And there's a lot of hard seltzers on the market, but I mean, when you first think of it before, like, you know, all of these craft breweries started brewing it, and then it was like the Bud Light Seltzer and the Corona Seltzer and the Four Loco Seltzer, if that ever came to fruition, it was White Claw and it was Truly. Yeah. That was, that was it. Well, you have Bud Light, you have Corona. No, no, no I'm saying before those. Oh, right, before yeah, those. Before those yeah. came out, it, the conversation sure. was White Claw or Truly, and they locked up the market share for a year until pretty much COVID started is yeah. when all the other uh, – competitors started brewing hard seltzer yeah like bonnet viv and uh what's the other new one wild basins a new one um there, there's so many now so i think it's probably just a case of the first movers in this scenario where it paid off to be the first in the market because they can just massively produce it there's no real huge difference between seltzers i think there are some noticeable distinctions. We talked about High Noon versus White Claw a few episodes ago. And, you know, it's pretty atypical. Um, it's, there's a lot of similarities in this industry. And I think just being Budweiser, um, you know, being Sam Adams and, the, you know, Boston Beer Company and then being the group Mark Anthony that produces White Claw, they just had the resources to do it. Mm-hmm. And now they're, they're winning. So might be too late to get in bottom line, but keep your eyes on this because some say there's some time. Anything you had to add on, on Boston Pier? No, no. I mean, I wasn't surprised that an alcohol beverage company was going to, you know, make these huge strides, especially because of how alcohol and liquor stores and beer distributors were considered essential. I mean, <laughs> thankfully they were, but they were considered essential during quarantine and the pandemic. I was just so shocked that $150 in after hour trading for one company is yeah. crazy. Yeah. Nuts. So keep your eyes on Boston beer. They trade at Sam after hours. They went up to around 800 bucks. They eclipsed that threshold, which is absolutely crazy. And now we go to balls folks. I've been waiting to say this for, how many months since we fucking started this podcast baseball is fucking back baseball is back this is wonderful and opening day i mean it went about as well as it could have given that all of the this stuff in 2020 of course there was a rain delay (laughs) of course the last second scratch of clayton kershaw that's just how that's how it is i didn't expect anything else juan soto late second scratch yeah juan soto as well that was in that's a conversation to come up yeah oh star-studded rookie on the washington nationals get scratched with fucking covid well i was i was afraid and honestly i'm surprised they didn't cancel the game because yeah he was asymptomatic Mm -hmm. which is fine you know his symptoms he didn't have any 
but because he was asymptomatic and he, you know, fell through the cracks of everything until he got that positive test, you don't know who he was interacting with. Not only was he interacting with all of those players, now they're playing the Yankees on opening day. You can only social distance so much. I mean, you're still on all of the bases and you still have the umpire and the catcher and the ball still getting to, I don't know, man. It was just, I, I was, I'm, I'm thankful that they didn't cancel it. We will have to wait another couple of days to see who is going to get COVID. Hopefully nobody, but I was very surprised. And that'll lead to another conversation after about guys getting COVID on a different team. But let's talk about the Yankees and Nationals first, because overall, it wasn't a pretty game. But what, Garrett on, Cole, on Thursday? or Yeah, opening day. Yeah. Garrett Cole pitched a beauty. I hey, believe, one run, one hit, complete game. <laughs> I, I shut mean, out. <laughs> I believe that is the out, first one hit, complete game on opening day in years. <laughs> Are we counting it? <laughs> I mean, well, COVID or not, isn't it after six innings, if it's a rain delay, the game's called? Yeah, so the rules this year, and even if it were last year's rules and the rules of whatever before this, five full innings is the, the threshold. So you pass five innings and the game is called, you win or you lose. But um, in this scenario, under this new agreement that they're playing under, if the game gets called and you play one out of the game, it's a zero-zero tie, right? The, the score is what it is, regardless of what it is in the game. So, I mean, it's still a complete game, <laughs> one hitter on opening day. And granted, John Carlo spanked a fucking yabo. That was a was it four hundred and fifty nine feet? Yeah, on the dot. Good work. That was a huge home run, and everyone was hating on him. Aaron Judge went two for three. Tyler Wade. Didn't swing the bat once, but he was a thousand percent on base, and he stole from he he no he didn't steal he when Aaron Judge hit the ball he ran from first to home. Yeah, it was a first to home uh, on a single, I think. Yeah, the guy's Which quick. Nuts. Yeah, so that was good. Uh, they got other than that. I mean, yeah, Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez did not bat well, but yeah, <laughs> we saw his new stance, and he could frame the ball well for Garrett Cole. That was nice. Um, Guardy looked like shit, but I'm going to blame some of that on our good friend, the umpire, uh, Angel Hernandez, because I don't know why the hell they threw him. I mean, granted, He's not welcome on this podcast. Granted, he it was bad on both sides. He called a shit game in general, as he usually does, but that was disgraceful. Uh, Aaron Hitch was a little form. slow. Everyone else did okay. I mean, Max Scherzer, I thought was going to have 15 strikeouts against us. He would have if the game finished. I think he finished with 11 in, you know, almost six innings, which that's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just the things that I just, so the Yankees obviously took two out of three from the Nationals. You hit the nail on the head for most of these. Stanton and Judge, they looked phenomenal. They, They looked how Yankee fans have wanted them to look for a long time. Um, Yeah. A-Rod was talking Voight, about Labor and Voight are having good, good uh, the past couple days too. Right. So A-Rod was talking about Stanton, and I, I'm right with A-Rod on this take. He was talking about it on the uh, ESPN broadcast of Matt Vaskersian. He said that this could be Stanton's best year in a long time because think about this. He's got no one to boo the shit out of him in New York which he's had his own problems with the crowd getting to him for sure. 
he worked out a lot over this offseason, and he looks really good. He lost some weight. He leaned out a little bit. He's pretty slim. Um, that, that was that whole debate, too, a couple of months ago that we did, that could he even lose any more weight than what he is now? Because otherwise, he just oh, he did, nimble. yeah. And he looks good, which is nice. Um, and, and I think they're the X factors this year. They, I think they're going to live or die with the success of Stanton the Judge. If they remain healthy, God forbid, I'm knocking on wood. But I think the Yankees will literally, if those two are healthy all year, I think you're going to see them win the World Series. Unquestionably. I think so too. I mean, the team definitely has depth um all around you know we have a platoon that first base if we really need it with void and mike ford yeah um you're inside the infield you have in any way shape or form dj glaber tyler wade and tyro estrada yeah you have a third base of geo as well as dj and and duhar and you have the outfield of judge stannon uh judge stannon hicks Gardy. Talkman, Talkman yep. and Duhar and Clint Frazier, which unfortunately he just got sent down. Um, I wish they kind of gave him a chance a little bit more, but it looks like what Boone's doing is he's moving a lot of pieces. Uh, you know, we had Jordan Montgomery who, you know, I had it on my opening day starting roster who was starting down in the AAA facility, just warming up, but he's starting one of the home games this week at Yankee stadium. Yep. And you had Clark Schmidt too, who he'll be up as well. It's just one of those things. I think Boone's is, is, is there a limit on how many people they can send up and down? No. So I think it's just, you know, it's going to be on matchup if they're playing at home and you know, they can get guys from Scranton just to come up for the day. They'll have that. Um, or if guys need rest too, but yeah, I think he's just going to play around with that. Yeah, they have Still. limits on the, the – like, the guys have limits on how many times they can be called up in their contract. So, you know, usually they have, like, three or four minor league yeah. options. So that, But it's not a team – they're not restricted. So he, he does have that flexibility, which is nice. And then they have the taxi squad, squad suit, too, if anyone gets sick and stuff. I mean, it'll right. be interesting to see. Uh, but we took two out of three from the Nats, which is nice. And then we head off to the Phillies this week, yep. who – a couple points on that. I miss Didi Gregorius because he's <laughs> balling out. Didi has been playing beautifully for them, and I'm happy for him. I really do. I, I wish really? the best for Didi. But the Phillies look like shit. Well, look at them. We were talking about this in our fantasy baseball chat this week. They are – they have one of the worst bullpens in the MLB. They got they rocked have, by the Marlins. Yeah. And they have a – I will say their rotation has improved for sure but it's still shaky. They have, they basically made one big signing with Zach Wheeler from the Mets. And so Wheeler's good. I I think he's a borderline ace on that team between him and Aaron Nola, uh, who's a touted prospect a couple of years ago. And he's good, but you have Jack shit for talent after that. There's no one else in that Phillies rotation. That's good. So they're very top heavy. You catch them on days four and five, which is very good. And then you got to probably face either one of uh, Noah or Zach Wheeler. So I, I like the odds. I mean, the, granted, the Marlins had six key players test positive for COVID. <laughs> Four of them would have been starters, and they spanked the Phillies. I know. Yeah. It's just like 
you know, there was always those jokes you see online when like the season got announced. It's like, oh yeah, like the Marlins and the Orioles can like come up top from this. Well, both those teams are two and one too. <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know, granted, we're not doing way too early predictions. It's a long season of 60 games, but two and one is equivalent to what? Like 15 and five. <laughs> right. Something like, like that. <laughs> 10 and three, whatever it is, you know, like that's scary. It is. And I mean, I'm looking at the Phillies rotation now too. You have Nola Wheeler, you have Vince Velasquez who got, you know, he, he was pushed around this week. So mm-hmm. they're probably going to face Jake Arietta and uh, Zach Eflin and then Aaron Nola. Arietta's not in his prime anymore. No. Um, he's slowed down a bit. I mean, he's still a vet. He still knows how to go out there and pitch a game against veteran hitters. So this week is going to be a pretty telling week for the Yanks. We'll see if Stanton and Judge can keep it up or, you know, because Arietta, I say this because he's no slouch. They could probably push around wow. Zach Eflin a little bit after. Um, but I mean, we had problems with Corbin and Scherzer. Not terrible problems where, like, our lineup still showed that they can produce, but we right. were not. They don't need to be up there getting hits all the time. They need guys to get clutch, which is what Stanton did at inning one against Scherzer, and it's what Judge – Judge was getting on base, which that's a that's Judge that need. I haven't seen and that we need. So, yeah, um, the, a couple of breaks you need to get deep in accounts with guys. Um I feel like, uh, you know, this is a perfect kind of testing ground for what's to come for this team. Because, again, a veteran pitcher who's going to give you a hard time but still doesn't have it, right? He doesn't have what he used to have. He, you're going to be seeing regular pitches. You're not going to be seeing anything that breaks a ton that's really fast. So this should be a very aggressive game for the Yankees, but they also need to, to play their game. So – I, I'm very curious to see what's to come uh, over the next couple of weeks for the Yankees, for sure. Yeah, I mean, a couple key takeaways that I see are things that are kind of concerning, but, you know, again, it's still very early. I hope James Paxson's not hurt, that he's not playing through injury, because that was tough. Yep. Um, loved what our bullpen's been doing. Canely, Britton, Chad Green, Luasiaga had a nice show in. Um, hold those guys afloat till Chapman came back and even extended a little bit more. Mm-hmm. We still have guys in the pipeline, like, you know, Mike King, Clark Schmidt, Debbie Garcia. I definitely think they'll come up and see some action as well. We already touched upon Clint Frazier. He'll be back up, but that means if he's not back up, Talkman's better be kicking ass and guardian Hicks need to be kicking ass because they were both looking a little sluggish. And I'm excited to see what Andujar has. Yeah, for sure. But we'll stop with the Yankees for now and just kind of go around the around the horn on what's going on. And mm-hmm. I'm going to start off with a former Yankee. Uh, I have him on my team, but Sonny Gray, the <laughs> of the fucking Cincinnati Reds. And I think the Cincinnati Reds are going to be a sleeper team. I really do. They have they have a very talented roster, and the three headed monster of Bauer, Sonny Gray, and Castillo, that's, that's some scary pitching. That's some scary pitching. But Sonny Gray against Detroit had six innings pitched, three hits, one earned run, two walks, and nine strikeouts. I don't think he, he even threw nine strikeouts as a Yankee. No, literally, of course. That's just the way it goes. Yeah, Holy I, I can't shit. can't believe it. My thing with the Reds, and it, listen, I get it. 
they're the Reds are the cool new attractive team to to hype up, right? Because hey, three pitchers in that rotation are very good. All right, you have Sonny Gray, the ace. You got Luis Castillo, this up and coming guy, and then Trevor Bauer. Right? I'm just gonna say it. I'm not impressed by the rest of the roster. I'm really not. A Rod was saying that you know that, that he's the that they're the sleeper team and all that stuff. I get it. I think they they could be a playoff team, uh, but I don't think this team has what it takes to uh, to make a run. So it's going to be an extremely unpopular opinion because a lot of people are going to disagree with me. Average bullpen at best. They have a good closer in Rysel Iglesias. Um, catcher, who the fuck knows what they're going to do there? They have three catchers. None of them are that great. Kurt Casale was absolutely awful with um, Tampa Bay. Tucker Barnhart, they've been trying to force on. He's a lefty catcher. He's valuable. I understand it. And I, I'm rooting for the guy. I like Tucker Barnhart. But they, projections say he's a backup. You go around the infield and shit. I'm not really impressed with any of these guys besides Suarez. At I mean, Joey Votto is always consistent. I don't know if Votto is playing. He's a starting first baseman. Since when? He's not on the depth chart. He's on my fantasy team playing every day. What? Yeah. Why is he not on their own roster? Joey Votto, second baseman is Moustakis, or he might be on a 10-day IL with COVID. But Moustakis is not a name that you can forget about. Yeah, Moose um, is uh, yeah, Moose is on the IL, and I, I don't know what's up with Votto because I don't see anything. But yeah, I mean, um, I'll just tell you, I'll run through the stats that Joey Votto had this week for me. Mister Votto, who was a late round pick, I was very <laughs> surprised. Votto. He went one for or no, sorry, he went two for four on opening day, two runs, one home run, and he actually uh, he had back to back days with home runs. He went two well, for good four. For him. He went two for four, and then he went one for five today with an RBI. I, so even regardless, um, you know, I like the signing of Castellanos. I, I mean, that's uh, a great pickup. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I appreciate the signing of Shogo Akiyama too from uh, the the Asian leagues. Another, another um, good pickup. I think it's going to be a couple of years before we see the Reds to be really uh, enduringly good and a legit contender against the Cubs and the Brewers. Um, I think that. That's my honest opinion. I don't think that I think they they need to um, learn how to play with each other for sure. Mostly, you know, some decent veterans. I think um, the talent is certainly going to be there. I just don't think that this is the team that's going to get it done in a couple of years. They will. I I really do believe that. Um, I I still think think, though, as my for this season, as sixty games and and expanded playoffs, where the first and the second place team. And two wild cards get in. I think they'll definitely have a deep run in the playoffs. They could, and I just I, I just don't think that. But I, I understand it. So I want to, and part of this, I like to think is just the inner Cubs fan in me saying like, no, I don't want the Reds to be good. I don't want there to be another contender. But. I don't know. I think the Reds are – they also, we can't forget, have a very young manager. They have David Bell, who has zero managing experience. So I want to see how he manages games before I can go on a limb and say that, yes, I believe in the Reds. So I'm going to be watching the Reds this year. I, I want them to be good. I really do. But Sonny Gray, that's how we started this conversation. <laughs> what a dick. Uh, 
Let's talk about the Boston Red Sox. They look like ass. They had a first Boston. good game, and then they looked like <laughs> ass. Lost two of three to the AAA Orioles, where the best player is Rio Ruiz or Renato Nunez or whoever you want. I mean, good – hey, really, really good first day for them. They had a great opening day. They kicked the shit out of the Orioles, which is good – because that's their only legitimate starter. Nate Eovaldi, former New York Yankee, went uh, – I think he went at least six or seven innings. And he was throwing shit. He was throwing a lot of stuff past these guys. And then you go to everyone else in the Red Sox roster that pitches, and you just see loads of trash burning. You see Martin Perez and Ryan Weber. Oh, goodness gracious, all-stars, Right for games two and three. And then who the fuck do they start after that? You've thrown around guys like Zach Godley. Who knows? I didn't know him before this. And then Josh, o- Josh Osich. I mean, these are made Stock. up names. These are <laughs> Someone said names. that on Twitter. Yeah, they're like, they're made up names. Who, who's making these names up? Robert Stock, they just picked up. What? Yeah, Nasty, Nasty Nate had six innings pitched, five hits, one run, four strikeouts, and a walk. Yeah, he looked good. He was throwing a lot of hard balls. I'm surprised it was only five strikeouts, too. But I mean, even he's still. Gonna, he's going to get worn down being the only, the only guy. He's that's the thing. Start, they're going to start playing him seven, eight innings. And if they go to the bullpen, that's no that's improvement. Matt Barnes the best guy? <laughs> like, Workman? Workman's Workman, the closer yeah. this year. Brandon Workman is an MLB closer. The Yankees have three closers on their team. And the Red Sox have zero. I just don't get it. Like, and it sucks. I understand we're going to come across as like, oh, we're the fucking Yankee fans. We just don't want to believe it. But, I mean, it, it's true. It, it really is true. I, the, the Red Sox have just really had a tough go of it for the last six months. Mookie Betts is a Dodger forever, basically. Forever. And they <laughs> don't really contract. have – they don't have a future pitching-wise. So, they're, they're going to need to acquire some pitching eventually because – they can't really wait until um, the, uh, their pitching prospects come up because who the hell are going to be the veterans at that point? These guys, Ivaldi can't be the last one. Perez has had a decent career, but he's no, nowhere even close to sniffing any accolades, right? So the Red Sox, uh, do they get to 25 wins? My pick is no. I don't think they do. I'm gonna I would definitely say, say no. under th- I'm going to say under 30. Well, that's everyone. I think, like, it's either get over 30 or under 30. Like, they're not getting over 30 wins. No. 25, maybe. 30, no. Fair enough. It's so tough to predict these because yeah. you have so many guys wanting to, like, for every team to go 30 and 30, which might happen. It's I mean, you make up a good point about acquisitions. They won't make any trains, trades this year. I believe yeah. the deadline's next month, August 31st. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which is like, one, I think it's also crazy trading someone during a pandemic. It <laughs> is like, basically- yeah, you got you to pack your shit up from like Florida to go play in Minnesota. You know, like, it's going to be very interesting to see, especially because there's going to be, I think guys are going to deny trades and just opt out. Why wouldn't you? You know, if you have like, a guy with a family or shit like that or kids are like, I'm not fucking leaving. Yep. Just opt out. So that'll be interesting to see, but you're going to see teams that are probably going to make some big acquisitions. I think 
Right. Because if a guy, if a team like the Indians, right, start slipping and falling, you know, they're probably going to trade Lindor. Yeah. Or a guy who's already, you know, a incredible player and a, an all-star and such, but he's already been on trade block talks in the past. And guys like um, Arenado too, a big contract and a great player, but if the Rockies are like, you know what, fuck it. Um, I think some big names are going to be traded or no trades will happen. Yeah, it's going to be one or the other because if one team starts it, then, you know, I feel like the rest will follow suit. I'm looking at the, the free agent list. I mean, Bauer's hitting the market again. You've got Springer out there. You've got Stroman back in the market. Um, well, Mayhew, that's another big name. So any of these teams start slipping a little bit, those names instantly come up in trade conversations. Yeah. Like Stroman's name is going to get thrown around. Whether the Mets like it or not, he's getting his name thrown around. Because but if the Mets start doing well, maybe they trade him for a better player. Full, full season or not, you're going to, like, if a big name comes on the market and there's a chance for this team to win this quote-unquote World Series, they're going to throw everything in the kitchen sink to get this guy. Right. To be like, this is a short season. We can sell so many tickets next year. You know, not saying like a team like the Yankees or the Dodgers, but these smaller market teams, you know, like the Oakland Athletics or – you know, the Reds, you, like these smaller market te- teams would be like, hey, we're the 2020 World Series champs. We're going to sell a lot of tickets and a lot of merch and shit next year. Right. Let's just throw everything we have to get, you know, another ace or a all-star infielder or outfield or whatever it might be. There's guys that sign one-year deals. Let's not forget about them. Like, yeah. Gregorius, does some – like, there's a legit chance that next month Didi Gregorius might not be a Philly if they lose – you know, if they go on a bad losing streak and they're like, fuck, we are kind of screwed. Do they trade him to someone that needs a shortstop? The there's, uh, yeah, there's guys like that that can – this is going to be weird. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. It's going to be yeah. really weird. And talk about guys that signed a one-year deal as we, as we move around. We'll, we'll talk about uh, Cubs Brewers in a sec. But Nelson Cruz – 40 years old, designated hitter now for the Twins. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, you know, this is finally going to be the year where Nelly starts to lose steam. Think again, motherfuckers. That's what he's saying. And he caught me off guard because just today, or Sunday, when we're filming this, four for five, two dingers, two doubles. He is somehow now, and granted, this is three days into the season, but knowing what we know about Nelson Cruz and his ability to just get way better with age, could he even be in the conversation for an MVP this year? That is the real question. And God help us if the twins keep this up because that's going to be a huge pain in the ass. I know because the twins are, they're a scary good team to begin with. And then, I mean, let's not forget, they also have Josh Donaldson. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. MVP. And he can play third. He can play first. He can play outfield. All that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, when I saw those stats, I was like, oh, boy, baseball's back. Like, this is uh, – you can't only worry about your own team. You have to worry about <laughs> everyone else, too. I know. I mean, I don't know. I really have to dive in deeper to see what the playoff format looks like. Because, like, that's another scary thing is at least throughout the season, you know, we'll just use the Yankees as the, as the example. 
in a regular season, you're going to see the teams like the Astros and the Twins probably six times a year. Yep. So at least you can kind of get some kind of familiarity. You're, we're not going to see those guys at all. Right. I mean, in the playoffs, like, and this is just projections, the teams, because correct me if I'm wrong, although we're playing the NL East, you know, how many times throughout this shortened season, are the playoffs still AL-NL? Yeah, they're still AL and L. Okay. Unless so, they change them with the new proposal. That's, again, we don't, the thing is we don't know too much. So there, there's not too much that you can research right now because it, it could blink and we, it could change tomorrow, you know? So the only playoff teams that we're going to see in the AL is whoever's in second place. Yeah. Which we already have enough tape on anyway because, you know, we see those guys a ton every year. But – so the Rays, maybe Toronto. I mean, if one of those teams also becomes a wild card, um, because they have the two wild card spots as well, that's who we're going to see. Everything else is just – it's, you know – Well, nobody the, knows. It's going to be whoever we're gets watching, hot. they're watching. It's going to – yeah, whoever gets hot. Uh, I hate to say it, that's what it's going to come down to. Um, so it's weird. That, that's what's going on. Um, and then another team that did well for sure. The Cubs, the Cubs really did pretty well this week. They beat the Brewers by a lot today. They took two out of three. NL Central is going to be the division to watch, in my opinion, because you've got three, you know, two arguably three contenders in that division. So, and don't forget about the Cardinals. I mean, they, they should have a decent year. Um, Cubs, Reds, and Brewers. The Cubs and Brewers, you know, certainly are expected to do that at this point, but can the Reds sneak in uh, as a wild card, maybe put some pressure on both those teams at this point? I think they absolutely can. Um, but it, that's, that's clearly going to be the division to watch, I think. And maybe the NL West too. But I was going to say the NL West with uh, the Dodgers. And uh, it's tough to say. I mean, I think the Padres can be another sneaky team. Well, it's by far, I think what, the standings are going to be on paper. You play this 162 games on paper. It's Dodgers, uh, the Snakes, Rockies, Padres, and Arizona. And, um, you know, the Rockies are a team that can get hot. The Padres are a team that if they get the, the right rhythm going, they can, they can certainly put some pressure on all those teams. And that's a, that's a four-team division, pretty much, yeah. that can, they all can compete with each other. The Giants fucking blow. I, I don't want to talk about them. Yeah. But that, that's I mean, you're, you're exactly right. The NL West is definitely something good, too. Before we close out on baseball, I'm going to give a quick prediction of the first and second place team and two wild cards for each division. Oh, okay. So AL East, I'm going to go Yankees 1, Rays 2. The Central, I'm going to go uh, Twins 1, Cleveland 2, Chicago White Sox as the other wild card. Sure. In the West, I'm going to go Astros one, Oakland two, and Angels as the second wild card. Fair enough. In the National League, I'm going to go Braves one, Ooh. Phillies two, Nationals as the wild card. Holy shit. Because the Nationals have too many holes, and you don't know when Juan Soto is coming back. Okay. I, I um, see it. I see it. In the central, I'm going to go Cubs one, Brewers two, 
And if you're not picking Cincinnati third, then I don't know. I think your your pick well, on no. goes out the window. Yeah, I'm, I was going to say Cincinnati is the wild card, but then I'm also going to retract and maybe take away um, one of the the other wild card teams and have maybe a four team four teams in one uh, uh, sector in the playoffs because I think the Cardinals can sneak up there as well as another wild card. They could. And then Dodgers one, Padres two. Wow. And the Dodgers will be interesting because you don't know when Kershaw is coming back. Yeah, that's a big – because it's his back. So they just may say, fuck it, you're done for the year. Yeah. And if, especially if Dustin May is doing well, yeah. then why, why would you rush him back? Sit, sit the year out, be with your family. Actually, I'm going to correct myself and say the second wild card is going to be the Cardinals and the Nationals will miss the playoffs. <laughs> because I forgot, okay. I forgot Strasburg has that hand issue. All right. No, dude, no Strasburg, no Soto for two weeks, three weeks, plus the holes of Zimmerman and um, um, uh, what's his name, Rendon that just left. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot. I think the, what's going to seal the fate of the Nationals is how well their pitching does because their lineup's still good. Their lineup's actually still top tier. It's in the top half of the MLB for sure even without those guys. So if their pitching keeps them in the games, then they have a legit shot. If not, then they're kind of fucked. That, that's my take. I'll put that uh, – we'll, we'll table these predictions for sure because now I'm curious and now I want to dive into it a little bit. So I, I've got to think about it. So that's it for baseball. Tell us your predictions. Um, let's go to – basketball real quick we did uh we talked to tim sinclair last week he i heard him on espn today he sounded good um he was doing the celtics and uh what's it called the suns and then inevitably somebody had to fucking do it i told him i told him <laughs> he said he wasn't gonna go there he tim Who breaks said- the quarantine first he said tim sinclair love him he was a great guy. He was a great he guy. Really well. I respected him, but he said <laughs> he's not going to go there because people are there to be serious. Well, I'm sorry. Lou Williams, who is a toted, well-perceived player in the league, well-respected. Really nice guy, too. Really nice guy. And what, how many times has he been sixth man of the year? And how many uh, teams? A, have, a few. How many, times, how many teams has he been on, like, big playoff teams to help them contend and stuff? Right. That motherfucker broke the line to go to a gentleman's club. He went to and the titty bar. What really is wild is he <laughs> a couple of days before he goes to Atlanta, like he gets cleared by the league. He's like, all right, family. I, I think it might've been a cousin or a family member that passed away. He's like, I need to go to this funeral and be with my family. They're like, great, go ahead. You know, stay out of anything, go to the services, be with your family, come back, quarantine for a couple days and you're good. And then he decides, you know, Allegedly, let's look at through his lens. He goes to Magic City in Atlanta. Magic City. Not to go to the titty bar, but for dinner. With <laughs> What makes this so weird is his company that he went with. He went with Jack Harlow, who, for weird. those of you that don't know, he sings What's Poppin', the famous fucking TikTok song, and one of the more up-and-coming guys in the social scene, they go to the titty bar. And that not, again, you can salvage this whole thing if you are both of them, if you just put down your damn phones. 
But no, Jack Harlow needs to take a picture and show the world that he's repping with Lou Will. And he, he gets caught. They go, oh, this is interesting. Lou Will is supposed to be in Atlanta quarantining. He's at the titty bar. Jack Harlow tries to save face and tweet, oh, no, that's, that's an old picture of Lou Will and I. Uh, you know, I, I, I was just reminiscing because I miss him. Well, it would be believable if he didn't have his NBA-issued mask on him that the players got last week. They got NBA-issued masks last week, and Lou Will wears that shit to a gentleman's club and tells a rapper to post it on his fucking Instagram story. I'm sorry. How, how stupid could you be? Come on, Lou Will. You're better than that. Cue the Stephen A. soundbite. Because Here's the reason you got to be worried. I wanted to hold up for saying this, y'all, but I can't oh, hold no. it no more. Do... <laughs> Do we really think that our, uh, the recreational activities, uh, uh, what these guys are accustomed to are going to be compromised for three months? I mean, somebody's got to say it. Somebody's got to say it. You really, really think that people are going to be without their wives or their woman? Okay. I mean, the guys that are married without their wives, the guys that ain't married without their women, you really, really think they honor in a bubble for three months? And I'm going to deprive somebody got to tell the truth because he's a bona fide scrub. I mean, you knew it was gonna happen, yeah. You knew it was gonna happen. Someone, I did not expect Lou Will, though, out of all people, yeah. I thought it'd be someone like, well, I couldn't even name you a person, but like Lou Will, <laughs> but Come on, man, overall in basketball, though, I mean, I was very impressed with the games, I thought they were competitive just for these opening scrimmages and games and stuff i love the courtside camera angles yeah i think that's wicked cool i think that's super cool um one team i'm just gonna make a hot take for a prediction don't sleep on the denver nuggets is the denver nuggets i mean they started bowl ball at the small forward and he's like over seven foot and he's like he went like 16 four and four his first game I'm not surprised. And, and I, he I went think, undrafted. Yeah. Bull Bull was – that was a weird scenario because he was hurt. You know, and he was 7-7, so fine. But yeah. getting hurt, obviously, hurt his draft stock because he played like three college games. So that was why he went undrafted. But, I mean, you know, very good sign to your point that he can compete at this level. And I'm, yeah. I'm pumped to see him. I, I'm pumped to see the Nuggets for sure, and we'll have to see. Uh, Joe Kick. Joe Chase, he lost a lot of weight. Yeah. He's a, a skinny legend, as some would say now. <laughs> skinny legend. Yes, bitch. But I'm but that's the NBA. The, yeah, that's yeah the I mean, it's, it's a shit show because Lou Will – What? Uh, this is going to bother me for, like, weeks. What are you doing? So, ultimately, he gets a 10-day quarantine from the NBA. Um, he's going to get fined. Oh, I would be he's absolutely missing, shocked. He's missing the first two seeded games. Yeah. I'd be shocked if he doesn't get fined. If the league doesn't be like, all right, 250 grand to charity. You know, that's what they should do. Because what we just talked about with Tim, how they're, you know, I'd probably say 90% of people trying to take this seriously. And to put them in jeopardy, I mean, that's not fucking fair. Tim made a very, very good point last week. And to potentially threaten the viability of his season. That's bad. That's a bad, bad look. 
So I'm going to be watching this very closely. We'll keep you updated on Lou Will as the time goes on. And I hope they get the NBA season in. Uh, only in the next couple of weeks will we really tell what the sports scenes are looking like. It seems like if baseball gets, keeps its shit together for a while, they might have some fans in the ballpark in September, which that would be really cool. The Yankees are trying to sell some tickets by then. The Cubs are, are already selling tickets. They're, you can watch a game up on the rooftop, which honestly would be really cool. Yeah. They had guys on the rooftops this weekend. They were cheering from the rooftops. They had the computer graphic fans on Fox, though, which I, uh, I wasn't a huge fan of. But I will tell you, I tweeted this this week. If they start doing the wave, I'm, I'm not watching baseball. It's if they coming. program those motherfuckers to do the wave, I'm not watching it. ESPN all day. Let's still watch it. I'm not, not on Fox. No way. Give me the alternate, like, weird international <laughs> streams on Reddit. I'd rather do that. Um, that is sports, wild stuff happening, a lot going on. Uh, that's pretty much all we have for this week, folks. Again, really good guests next week. Uh, we're going to be talking in the alcohol scene. So stay tuned on that. A, a really great, uh, founder. She is awesome. Um, we'll, we'll keep you posted before we close out as usual. Will, you've got something for positivity corner. Yes. So we have coming in from, uh, Santa Ana, California. Stranger raises $84,000 for a 94-year-old street vendor in a wheelchair after one woman's act of kindness goes viral. So uh, this woman named Kenya Berrigan uh, saw this gentleman who is in a wheelchair, 94 years old, uh, down in his luck, who was pretty much selling tamales cooked by a local woman to keep him afloat financially. Uh, this woman was touched by his story. He, she felt, you know, felt his pain and went on Instagram and social media does his trick and was just telling, telling social media this gentleman's story on, you know, how he's an older man. He's in a wheelchair. He's down on his luck. He's just trying to, you know, feed his family and keep, keep afloat. Well, social media blew up and Less than a week, strangers, friends, and family raised over $84,000 in donations and pretty much changed this gentleman's life. And he was overcome with emotions. Uh, it was just a great feel-good story that no matter all of this negativity now, there's still people helping other people. So we cheers Kenya for that. And that's our positive, Positivity Corner for the week. That's incredible stuff. That woman was 28 years old, right? She was something, yeah, 28. And um, <laughs> 94-year-old street vendor still kicking. That, that's incredible. Yeah. So very good. There's still good left in the world, folks. There really is. Not everyone's breaking quarantine and causing mayhem and going to titty bars. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's our show for this week. As always, on social media, you know where to find us. Twitter, the underscore BBB underscore podcast. Replace the underscores with dots on Instagram. I'm getting a lot better at that read. Uh, we've got the blog fired up, folks. House.enterprise.com. Uh, added a new writer to our staff. Good old Chris Hanold from Southold, New York. Uh, graduate of five towns for journalism. Happy to have Panel on board. He's going to be talking hockey. I'm sure he's going to be talking to Mets too as time goes on. Um, 
And we've got some good reads up. I am currently leading in the leaderboard for the least amount of blogs written at a fat goose egg. That is unacceptable. I know my role. I have to do better. Panel's already got me at one. You're at seven, Will, so this is disgusting. I'm ashamed of myself, and I will be better. Um, we're getting good views, folks, so start leaving some comments. We've already gotten a few from you guys, so keep them coming. I want more. Um, this is good. We, we got Tondo's recent article on summer six-pack uh, for craft selections, so that was good. I will be making a competing one because why not? Maybe we'll rank stack them against each other. That'd be cool see what the Instagram audience has to say. <laughs> let the let the fans decide. Um, and again, Hanel's going to be covering hockey for us uh, over the next couple of weeks. So good stuff all around the board. Did we forget anything? No. No, you, get, you got it all. Well, good stuff. Until next week, folks, that was episode 15 of Beers, Business, and Balls. As always, that's Will, and I'm Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy. Mm-hmm.